Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Now it's time to dig into God's Word. So if you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 14. And um, I changed a little bit of my message, not much of it, but the, the opening of my message because God just provided me the perfect opener. Um, because I'm talking about how sometimes when we try to do things on our own, when we try to fix our lives, we make a bigger mess of things. Well, about a week ago, a little over a week ago, there was some really bad news that hit the Barbersville area. It's really actually really bad news if you were a basic white girl. And you know where I'm going with this, right? You, you know where I'm going with this. This was the bad news. The fact that life as you know it, Target had to shut down because there was a foundation issue. And what really kind of cracked me up from looking at like the, somebody flew a drone over, you know, where the, the, the it was shifting. I, I looked and I was like, what did they put in the cracks? It looks like this stuff. It looks like this like, like foam stuff that you put like in, in, in like, like gaps in like your wall. And I can just see these guys thinking, oh, I know how we can fix this. We're going to run over to Home Depot. We're going to get a, a, a can of this like, you know, fix a flat stuff and we're going to put it in the cracks and we'll be open next week. Well, if you've been watching the news, something happened today. Their fix took it from this to this. I've got some bad news for some of y'all. You're not going to be going to Target anytime soon. Some of you, if there is, if there is a 30-year-old woman in your life, you need to check on her because she's not okay. Okay? Every woman between the ages of 30 and 40 is freaking out right now because they can't go to Target. Um, but I thought it was a really good illustration about how sometimes there are things in our life that we would like to fix, but on our own, <laughs> we just can't fix them. And the harder we try, the more our spiritual life looks like Barbersville targets. Um, tonight, we're going to be continuing our Abide series, going through Jesus' um, upper room speech, his upper room lesson. And tonight, we're going to be talking about how Jesus told us to live his life. Jesus told us to live the Jesus life. But the big issue is, you can't, maybe you've realized this, I've realized, I can't live the Jesus life in my own strength in my own power. And tonight, the big kind of, if we boiled it all down to one sentence, it's going to be this. If you're going to abide in Jesus, you need help. Have you ever been talking to your friend and your friend is such a basket case, it's such a mess, hot mess express, that you just looked at her, you just looked at him and said, you need help. Anybody got a friend like that? How many of you are that friend in somebody else's life? So look to the person next to you and as compassionately as possible, just look to that person and tell them, you need help. Because you do. But there's a special kind of help. <clears throat> there's a special kind of help that God promises to those who follow him and those who believe in him. There's a special kind of help and we're going to be introduced to that help tonight because that help is not a thing. That help is not a 12-step like process. The help that God gives us to live the Jesus life is his Holy Spirit. 
So we're, we're, we're going to turn to John chapter 14, and before we read this passage in John chapter 14, we're going to finish the chapter out tonight. What are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus speaking in the upper room, and it, who was it recorded by? Who was this conversation recorded by? What's so special about John? He's Jesus' ride or die, as Jason said. He's Jesus' best friend. And the book of John is different than the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. How is it different? It's a different perspective. It's written from a different perspective. Um, the th first three Gospels are called the synoptic Gospels. Sin meaning not the sin, but like the same. Yeah, S-Y-N, the same optic the same view, each of these three guys, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, kind of saw the same things that Jesus did, wrote about them. John had a special perspective because he was Jesus' best friend, and he writes down some special things that the others didn't write down and record. And this is one of those things. Jesus is teaching. He's got the disciples gathered around in this upper room, this guest room. They're eating a Passover meal together. Jesus drops some bombs on them. They don't realize their life is getting ready to change radically. He says, hey, one of y'all is going to sell me out when y'all is going to deny me. We learn later that it was Judas. He tells Peter, hey, Peter, guess what? You are going to sell me out too. You're going to deny me, but the game's not over for you. And then Jesus drops the third bomb. Guys, I'm getting ready to go away. And where I'm going, you can't follow me. So the disciples are freaking out. And last week we talked about how Jesus, at the beginning of chapter 14, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. We talked about how he said, believe that you believe in God, believe also in me. We talked about how faith is the fix for a troubled heart. And that Jesus said, here's how you're going to survive this, me being gone. You trust me. You believe in me. You believe that I'm coming back. You trust in what I'm getting ready to do. And then Jesus, towards the end of that passage, he says, hey, if you believe in me, you're going to do the things that I have done. You're going to live the Jesus life and you're going to even do greater things then what I'm doing right now? Como es posible? How is that possible? Well, tonight we're going to learn how that's possible. One more thing you need to know about the book of John. There's a cheat code to the book of John. Anybody remember the cheat code to the book of John? Well, Jason said the word, believe. It's found in John chapter 20. The cheat code to the book of John is found in John chapter 20. And it says this, these things are written. John wrote these things down. Why? So that you might believe. And that by believing, you can have life, eternal life, in Jesus' name. So, let's look at this longer passage here in John chapter 14. Everybody got their Bible? You got Bible in your hand? You got a Bible on a phone? You got the Bible here on the screen behind me? Let's look at this and read together. Jesus says, if you love me, you will what? You will keep my commandments. That's the Jesus life. Living and loving like Jesus. He said, and if you love me, I'll, you keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. We'll come back to that, to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more, but you'll see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you'll know that I'm in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commands and keep them, keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, 
not Iscariot. <laughs> you know, not the bad Judas. There were two Judases here. This was the good Judas, not the bad Judas. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. You notice another pattern here? If you love me, I, yeah, I want to make sure to point this out. If you love me, whoever loves me, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and the father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me, does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Verse 25 says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but, ooh, the air kicked off, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. I love this one. Peace I leave with you and peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. I've heard that before, right? This is like, I call this the bookend. You know what I mean by bookends? Yeah, and you all have bookshelves. And you have the little thing that props up the books on one side and the little thing that props up the books on the other side. Verse 1, chapter 14, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Bookend on this side. Verse 27, chapter 14, Jesus says what? Don't let your hearts be troubled. It holds this whole passage together. Don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You've heard me say, I'm going away and I'll come to you. If you what? Here it is again. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. Now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may what? So that when it does take place, you may what? You may believe. And I'll no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Jesus ends this section in his upper room speech by promising to give his disciples the Holy Spirit. And this is the main point. If you, if you look at verses number, um, number 15 through 17, this is the main point right here of this passage, of this section. This is the main point. It's that God was going to send the Holy Spirit to help his disciples live the Jesus life. Now there's something special about this word helper. Some of you, you may have a different word instead of helper. How many of y'all have comforter? It's a comforter in your Bible. I always think of like a nice warm blanket when I think the word comforter. Um, how many of y'all have helper in your Bible? Anybody have the word advocate in your Bible? So this word for helper, I mean, not that people are really uh, into Greek, but it's this word parakletos, which means to, a paraclete, which most people don't know what that means. But it can mean like two or three different things all kind of wrapped up in one. So that's why the Bible translators kind of have such a difficulty translating it because there's such a big meaning to this word. It's a legal term. It means an advocate, somebody who goes to court on behalf of another, like an attorney. Wouldn't you love to be important enough to when somebody has, is, is upset with you, you can just say, you can talk to my attorney about that. Wouldn't that be a great feeling? Like, like you can just go do whatever and somebody gets upset, well, you'll just have to talk to my attorney. It's, he, he's a, he's a, a representative, an advocate for us, the Holy Spirit is. But there's also, I need to write this stuff down. 
There's, there's, another, um, there's another term, it is, and it is the word helper, and it, it means like to encourage, it means to, to build up, and it means to strengthen. So not only is the Holy Spirit advocating for us that Jesus sent, the Holy Spirit advocating for us, he's, he's helping us, and then the other word is comfort, I can't spell, comforter, that, 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 that he gives us peace and he comforts us. And what Jesus is saying is you can't, you can't do the things that I've done, that I've called you to do without help. So God sends who? The Holy Spirit. Jesus' Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we've watched way too much Star Wars in our generation. So anytime we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of some sort of like, you know... Luke, I am your father. Listen to your feelings. That was actually pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I did not think it would be that good. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, I'm not trying. We don't want this to be a distraction. We get this idea that it's like this, like like this force that moves, and and you know, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has a personhood. He's part of the Trinity. God is made up of three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Did you know there's a hierarchy in the Trinity? There, there, there's, there's the way they function. They, they function in relation to each other. We're going to see that in chapter 16. But Jesus' Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, Jesus promised he was going to send to all the believers, all who would believe in him. And we can read in Acts chapter 2. When Jesus did as he promised, Jesus died, he rose again, he appeared to people, proved that he was alive, he went back to heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit and these disciples along with 120 people who were in an upper room, possibly this same upper room, which is really cool to think about, the promise came to them as they were in an upper room, it says the Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind. Tongues of fire sat on these, these Christ followers and he helped them to live the Jesus life and they went and took the gospel everywhere. This was Jesus' promise that he would send the Holy Spirit and that he would do what? Jesus says, this is present tense back then, he dwells with you. How did the Holy Spirit dwell with the disciples at that time? Because Jesus was with them. And it was Jesus' Holy Spirit. But then he says, in the future, we'll be where? With you? No. In you. That the Holy Spirit would live inside the disciples. So the truth that we know, the big truth, the big truth tonight is that anybody who says yes to Jesus and trusts him as their savior immediately a million things happen, right? You're adopted, you regenerate, all these things happen. But one of those things that happened is that God's Holy Spirit moves inside you. He rents a U-Haul and he unloads all of his spiritual attributes inside the life of a believer. It's pretty powerful to think about, isn't it? So, how does the Holy Spirit help us to abide in Jesus? Like, what, what does he do? Who is your daddy and what does he do? You're too young to know that. Some of the leaders know, kindergarten cop. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who is your, you need to go watch it. Who is your daddy and what does he do? What does the Holy Spirit do to help us abide in Jesus? There are four things the Holy Spirit does in our lives that we're going to see in, the, in, in, in these verses that does to help us abide in Jesus. The first is he makes God's presence real in our lives. Look at what Jesus says in in, in verse number 21, he says, whoever has my commandments and keeps, in it, keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will what? Manifest myself to him. What does the word manifest means? It means to show up. It means to be, to, to, to be able to be perceived, to be able to be understood. And what God is saying here is that for those who love Jesus and those who trust Jesus as their Savior, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in their life, meaning that God will be present in your life. The first way that we're helped to live the Jesus life is the fact that God's Holy Spirit is moving, is moving inside us. You know, God is working in people's lives today through his Holy Spirit and helping people. Um, I believe, uh, one of my convictions, and some of you have been on some mission trips with me, some of you have been out of the country on mission trips with me, and one, one of my convictions is that the reason we don't, it seems to us like we don't experience God's Holy Spirit moving in our lives as much as places in other parts of the world is because we are so tuned out to spiritual things in our, in our world, in our, in, in our country. You go, you go to the Dominican Republic with me, you're going to see God's Holy Spirit moving. Um, you, you, you talk to some of these missionaries who are serving in very difficult places to serve and what you will realize is that God is helping them in a very special way what I've learned is that the, the more we step out on faith to serve God the more we've experienced the Holy Spirit working in our lives um, there's a missionary that our church supports um, who goes down and visits river villages in Ecuador. And he shared a testimony of a time when he was going into these areas that don't speak, they don't speak Spanish. They speak these tribal Quechuan type languages. And he was going with a boat captain and an interpreter. So he would go to these villages and the interpreter would help him speak these tribal languages that nobody knew. Well, he was at a boat dock on one of these particular villages and the interpreter went into the village to, to, to let everybody know that this white boy was coming. Um, and the interpreter was gone and it was just this man standing on the dock and a man comes up to him from this tribe and he said, he said I, could, I was just impressed by God to share the gospel with this man. But I didn't know the language. So he said, I just started speaking. And the man started speaking back to me and I was understanding what he was saying. And he had this entire conversation and was able to share the gospel with this man. The interpreter came back and his jaw hit the ground because this man didn't speak Spanish. This man didn't speak English. This man spoke a language that very few people knew and this missionary didn't know. But God gave him the ability to communicate with this man. Incredible. The Holy Spirit makes God's presence real in our lives, manifested in our lives. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a Christian, God's Holy Spirit is living inside you and the more you serve him, the more you step out on faith and take risks to obey Jesus and live the Jesus life, you will experience the help of the Holy Spirit to do these things. You, some of you, may, I'm just gonna throw this out there, maybe when I said, I want you to share a testimony on Sunday morning, you're like, oh heck no. But you know you need to. 
What would happen if you stepped out on faith and you experienced the power of the Holy Spirit to encourage your church family in a special way? God makes his presence real in our lives through the Holy Spirit. The next thing is that he illuminates our understanding of Jesus' commands. A really incredible promise here that we could spend the whole evening unpacking is this. He says, I gotta move over here. He says um, that when the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. There are two promises here. One promise is inspiration. The other promise is illumination. When I think of illumination, I think of Kevin. You know, the little illumination. Um, two promises, inspiration and illumination. Let's talk about illumination first. Jesus promised that these disciples, these 11 guys in this upper room, that he would bring to their remembrance everything he said. How did John remember to write in detail all of the things that Jesus said in this upper room? Is that the Holy Spirit came into his life on the day of Pentecost and he gave special remembrance to John to write down all the words that Jesus said. How did, how did Peter write down all of the commands that have to do with the Jesus' life? It's because the Holy Spirit gave him remembrance as to what Jesus taught. Inspiration was for these disciples who we would eventually call apostles. But there's a promise here that applies to us too. That he would teach us all things. You know something special happens when you open your Bible and you're a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. Even though you may not be a great reader. Even though, you know, your teacher might think you're a few fries short of a happy meal and maybe you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. You have the greatest teacher and interpreter of the Bible living inside you and it's the Holy Spirit. And you may be a sixth grade student that has trouble reading, but a sixth grade student with a Holy Spirit inside their heart and a Bible open is a very powerful thing. You know, one of the things that, yeah, I, I, I'm going for this degree and I'm reading all these academic people and, and it can, it's easy to be overwhelmed. You hear people preaching and they're talking about this Greek word and this Hebrew word and they're talking about anti-disestablishment pseudo-disentarianism or some big long word. I just made that one up. Some big long word and you're thinking, there's no way I could understand this. Here's something you need to remember. That because of the Holy Spirit living in you, regular people can read God's word, understand God's word, and obey God's word. I'm gonna say that one more time because we get way too intimidated. Regular people can read God's word, understand God's word, and obey God's word. God bless the people who dig deep and bring us some of these extra pieces of information. But you know, the Bible is written in what's called Koine Greek, Common Greek. It was written for normal, regular old people. Even people who shop at Walmart instead of Target can get truth from God's word because of the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And that's all y'all now. <laughs> y'all, you people think you're better than me. You're gonna be joining me at Walmart in your PJ pants now. The next thing. We gotta keep moving. The Holy Spirit comforts us when we're troubled and scared. You know, right in the middle of this promise, Jesus promises to give his Holy Spirit is this, is this promise. He says, peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give to you. How did Jesus give him his peace? It's through the Holy Spirit. Then what does he say? He says, not as the word, world gives do I give away. I will come to you. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. I will come to you. And Jesus says that his peace is different than the peace the world gives. Have you noticed, I know this might hit a little close to home and you know, this makes us nervous. Have you noticed that the more we, tr and I'm not saying this as a political statement, I'm just saying this is facts. The more we try to regulate guns in America, the more shootings there are. Have you, have you noticed that we have more people studying like international like relations than we ever have before and people, countries are still killing each other. Do you see what I'm saying? The, 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 the peace the world gives is not a lasting peace. It's not a deep peace, but Jesus gives a peace that we sum up in the word shalom. That's the word he uses here. And the, the word shalom for peace here is not the absence of conflict. Everybody sit down and be good people. That's not God's peace. Shalom means the fullness of God's blessings and peace and comfort in your life. The world's peace says make life as easy as possible. Take a self-care day. God's peace says your week is crazy, but you can still find peace in me through the power of my Holy Spirit. Jesus comforts our heart when we're troubled and scared. And these disciples were scared to death that Jesus was leaving and they'd never be able to do anything because Jesus was gone. But what happened? Jesus left, his Holy Spirit came inside their hearts and they were not cowering in an upper room. They were on the streets preaching the gospel, getting put in jail and still preaching the gospel till they finally got killed because they had the peace of God in their hearts. Their hearts were not troubled. And then the final way that the Holy Spirit helps us is that he lives inside all who trust Jesus. It comes back to this. I've told you this before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. Jesus told his disciples, I'm, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna go back to the Father. Then I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit because he, he wanted them to believe in him, to trust in his word because the disciples here, the disciples were not elite Christians in and of themselves. What do you think of when you think of the word elite Christians? I think of somebody I look up to spiritually like maybe Pastor Lemming or something. You know there's no such thing as an elite Christian. There's only a spirit-filled Christian and that's someone who believes in Jesus. So, all that to say, if you're going to abide in Jesus, you need help. So one more time, look at the person next to you and say, you need help. How do we receive that help? How do we live in the help of the Holy Spirit? The first is that you have to remove the hindrances. I'm almost out of time, so I don't, I don't have the full amount of time here, but I will tell you this. What hinders the Holy Spirit from working in the life of a believer? I've found four things in God's Word. That when we do these things or we don't do these things, it hinders the Holy Spirit from working in our lives. And some of you are like, hold on, how can humans stop God from working? How can, how's that possible? Well, let me, let me help you out with that. Is that before the foundations of the world, God sovereignly decided that his Holy Spirit would only work through people who yield to his Holy Spirit. That's how it works. 
And there are four hindrances we find in the Bible. Uh, these will be on the, on the app, they'll be on the notes, so if you can't write them all down in time, it's okay. Four things that when we do or don't do, it stops the Holy Spirit from working in our lives because we're not yielding to him. First is sometimes we quench the Spirit when we don't do what he prompts us to do. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, do not quench the Spirit, and it goes on to, to, to talking about how you know, God has led, sometimes God leads us to do things. Sometimes we, we, we know God has led us to share the gospel with someone. God is leading us to, to follow Jesus in baptism. There are things that God leads us to do, commands us to do, and when we say, ah, not yet, I'm not ready, we quench the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we do sinful things. Ephesians chapter, you know, we remember when we were back in Ephesians, it talks about how when we sin, we, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 7, there were a bunch of stubborn guys. Stephen was preaching, and he said, y'all always resist the Holy Spirit. When we're stubborn, when we say, I want to do things my way, God says, well, you know what God often does? When we say we want to do things our way, God lets us do things our way. And in the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? And the final thing is when we desire against the Spirit and we give in to our old, old sin nature. You know, the Bible says in Galatians chapter, six, chapter 5 verse 16 that the flesh, our old sinful nature, desires what's contrary to the Spirit and the Holy Spirit in our life desires what's contrary to the flesh. When you wake up in the morning, there's a war going on inside your hearts. And when we give in to our old sin nature, we create a hindrance to the filling of the Holy Spirit. So which of these things are, do you need to work on in your life? Remove the hindrances. The next is rely on God's power. I'm a truck guy. Anybody else a truck guy? Is anybody here saved and you're a Chevy guy, right? You know, Chevy has some packages they put on their trucks. You know, the Z71 package is the ultimate off-road package. You know, like, like give me a Chevy with a 6.0 and a Z71 package and I will drive the wheels off that thing. But you know, there are things you can add to your truck that are accessories. You can add one of those big light bars that blinds people when you go around the corners on um, 4-H Camp Road and I beat my horn at you. You can add some 35s on there so when you're going down the highway, it's going wah, 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 wah. There's all kinds of accessories you can add to a vehicle. Sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit is like an accessory in the life of a Christian. The Holy Spirit is not the light bar on your truck. The Holy Spirit is the engine that moves the truck of your life. And when we ignore God working in our life, we're not going to be able to live the Jesus life. That's why Jesus says in chapter 15 that we're going to get to next week, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to rely on God's power. The next is we need to read God's word. Jesus says, I will bring all things to your remembrance and I will teach you all things. We have every, you know, every word of this book was inspired by God's Holy Spirit. I've, I've, I've heard from people that say, you know, I just sometimes want to go out in the woods and I want to clear my mind of everything and I want to just listen to God's Holy Spirit. I was like, that sounds more like Buddhism. You know, home. You want to hear from God? I can give you 100% you know, batten a thousand formula to hear from God tonight. You know what it is? Open this book. Don't be a turd. Get in the word. I've said that a million times. Get in, get in the word. Remember how we said regular people can what? Can re understand God's word? Read God's word and obey God's word? 
There's a little acronym or a little, a little method that I like to use to read the Bible. And I've got one minute left. And I want to see if I can teach you how to read the Bible in one minute. You ready to try this? The, it says that the Bible is like a two-edged sword. Now I'm going to try to draw a sword. I'm not good at drawing things. Here's a handle. Does that look like a sword? So, okay. So there are six questions to ask when you're reading God's word and it will open your eyes. The Holy Spirit will illuminate your understanding of his word. The first question is, what does this passage say about God? How does it help me understand who God is? The next question, what is this holy, what, what is this part of the Holy Bible? What, is, what does God's word say about me? What does this passage say about me? Does it tell me things about who I am? Is there a command to obey? God's word is full of directions at you, commands for us to obey. Is there a sin to avoid? God's word tells us the difference between right and wrong. Is there an example to follow? You read these heroes of the faith who provide us examples of how to run after God. And is there a promise to claim? Just like Jesus promised to give his Holy Spirit. You know how much you would get out of a passage if you asked these six questions when you read God's word? Whether you're in sixth grade or whether you're in twelfth grade, whether you're taking like the bonehead classes or whether you're taking AP classes, all honors and all that good stuff, you can understand God's word. You can open God's word tonight when you get home. Ask these six questions and God will speak to you. The final thing is you need to receive him by trusting in Jesus. You know, one of the saddest things is I, you, sometimes I meet teenagers who come to Refuel. They've been going, maybe going to church off and on. Yeah, they, they've had religious experiences, but what, what, they, what I, they start realizing is they're trying to live the Jesus life apart from Jesus. You're trying to do Christian things without Christ. And is it possible? One thing I never want to do is make somebody doubt their salvation. But is it possible that you've been doing Christian things off and on during your life, but there's never been a time where you trusted Jesus as your Savior. And you relied on Him and His sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins and to give you new life. You know, God promises to us that the moment we trust in Christ and receive Him in faith, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside your life. Maybe the reason you're having such a hard time living a life that's pleasing to God is because you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life. And tonight you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. In the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I've got to say about that. Get in God's word. Trust in him. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm not gonna draw this one out, but I do wanna give you the opportunity. You're in one of two categories tonight. So ask yourself, draw an imaginary circle around where you are right now. Don't talk to anybody. Don't look around. I want you to, I want you to determine which of these categories you're in. Because everybody's in one of these two categories tonight. Category one. You know you're saved. You know you've trusted in Jesus. But you've been trying so hard to live life on your own power. And it's driving you crazy and it's wearing you out. Tonight, will you give your life over to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I trust you with all of these things that are going on in my life. I want to rely on your power. 
I want, to, I, want to, I want to experience your Holy Spirit working in my life, so I'll remove the hindrances. Tonight, will you dedicate whatever the thing is in your life that you're relying on your own power for to Jesus? Will you give it to Jesus? So maybe you're in that first category. You're saved, but you're, you've been relying on you. But is it possible that you're in the second category? The category of someone who does not know when they walk out of this room tonight whether or not they're saved, whether or not they have an eternal home in heaven waiting for them. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, all this stuff we're talking about, about this wonderful life that Jesus has for us to live, you can't do it without Jesus. Tonight, right now, will you just quietly in your heart turn to Jesus and trust him as your Savior? Some people like to put it in a prayer. They like to vocalize it in a prayer and maybe quietly in your heart you would pray something like this. Jesus, I know that I'm a, a sinner. I know that I can't live a life that's pleasing to you without you. But I trust that when you died on the cross, you died for my sin. And by faith, I receive your free gift of eternal life. Will you save me tonight, Jesus? Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And thank you for saving me, Jesus. We're gonna pray and you know, we're gonna dismiss here in a second. Um, but if, if that was you tonight, if you trusted Jesus as your Savior or you still have some questions, will you please find me afterwards? Or will you find April or one of our leaders and just say, hey, I trusted in Jesus as my Savior tonight. There's something I want to give you. I want to give you a Bible, and I want to give you um, some, some things that can go in that Bible with some verses that you can go to to get started in your walk with, walk with Jesus. So let's pray tonight. Oh God, thank you that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can do the things that you did and live the life that you lived. We can live like you, and we can love like you, and we can love you. God, so many times I know personally I try to do so much in my own strength and it wears me out. And I can't help but think there are many teens, maybe many leaders here tonight that are doing the same thing. They're trying to do things on their own and it's wearing them out. God, I pray that they'll give it to you, that they'll run to you, that they'll just collapse in your arms and trust you to hold them and trust you to give them strength through the power of your Holy Spirit. And, and God, I pray for people who are struggling with whether or not they're a child of God, whether or not they're saved. Um, God, I pray that they won't, they won't leave, they won't walk through those doors tonight without knowing for sure that they're saved and that they're yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.